Welcome to an exciting new series of the Accelerate Performance Lab podcast. I'm your host, Riley Witt, and I'm thrilled to introduce you to Athlete Breakdown. In this episode series, we'll take a closer look at the running metrics that shape our athletes' performances, from classic VO2 max to lactate threshold and recovery rates. Our goal is simple yet important to help our athletes with actionable steps to make new heights by identifying areas for improvement and charting actionable steps to make that jump in performance. Whether you're a seasoned competitor or just starting your journey, these episodes are designed to offer practical advice that you can incorporate into your training regimen. So get ready to dive into the world of running metrics, science, and transformation. Join us on this journey as we unlock the secrets to reaching peak performance, one metric at a time. It's been a minute. I had Claire Helmers on the podcast and she nominated you to come on the show, but I had so many different guests in between that it just, it's, it's been a minute, but I'm, I'm excited to talk to you, get your story, but how's your season been going so far? Um, it's been pretty good. You know, it's a little, it's always a little up and down with cross country. (laughs) Had a few good races in here, obviously States coming up this coming week. So I'm really excited for that. The last one, which is actually starting to sink in now. I've not like tried not to think about that for a while, but now it's, it's here, you know, like I've been thinking about this week since the end of May and now we're here. So kind of a surreal moment, but I'm looking forward to it. I remember going through my senior year and it was, it was super exciting, but also scary at the same time. Cause you don't know where you're going to be at the next year and you haven't made a decision yet. We won't get into that, but how have you dealt with it mentally? Like, are you more excited because it's your last go around? Are you kind of disappointed and sad? I think I'm excited because I don't know, I've always been a person that's looked forward to college. Like I've always kind of seen like, I don't know, that will be just like the next step, but also like, I always felt like my senior year, like would never be there. Like I just, it would like, I would never get to my senior year. Like it just, it didn't seem possible. So I guess now, like I am kind of having those like mixed, like, okay, like this is the last one. And you just, I don't know, there's, there's things riding on the last one. You want the last one to be, well, the best one really. So it's, it's a bit like scary, but also I think that makes it like all the more like, exciting because I don't know there's a little bit riding on it yeah you're in high school at Carlisle now so there's some big names at Carlisle like there has been some some talent that's moved through that school and some coaching so you've had some role models what was it like growing up with you know the Urzans and some some role models in that school Um, is that how you got into the sport I honestly, I think when I first started running cross country, I didn't know who Ainsley Erzum was <laughs> in seventh grade. Obviously, I quickly came to know who Ainsley Erzum <laughs> was. But um, I remember the first time I watched her race, like so clearly. We do like a, a mile time trial for like all the kids. And I think she might have been going into her freshman year and I was in eighth grade and she raced with the boys. She didn't she didn't run the girls race. And she, I think she beat either all of them or all but one of them. And I was like, who is this girl? She's so fast. And yeah, no, I definitely, I looked up to her a lot just as a role model for everything. I mean, I wanted to be because she carried herself just in such a way that you like, you would never would have known 
she was that good, you know, just like talking to her and just watching the way she walked around. And so, yeah, having her, especially my first two years of high school was awesome just because even though maybe like I hadn't had any big moments for myself, I kind of learned what to do in those big moments from her. Yeah. You said seventh grade. Is that when you started running? Yeah. Did you play any other sports in middle school or were you just like, ah, running's my thing? That was the first sport I actually ever went out for elementary school. Um, Even beginning middle school, I told my mom, no, it's like, nope, I don't want to do any sports. I mean, all summer, every time it was nice outside, you would catch me inside reading. Like I did not ever want to do anything active. And I don't honestly know what possessed me to sign up for cross. Like, I still don't honestly know. I think one of my friends was going to do it. And I was like, I mean, okay. But I was one of the kids that like, every time you ran the pacer test in middle school, I was dropping out at the bare minimum. Like you would not catch me doing any more than I had to because I hated running. I hated (laughs) sports in general. So what was the, what flipped the switch? What made you actually start enjoying it and giving some effort? Well, so I, I remember my first race, I think, I don't think we ran a full two miles. I think it was like one and three quarters and I ran it in like 18 minutes, which (laughs) that's not very fast. Um, I walked a few times. I walked, I think I walked every single race in middle school until the state meet. Cause I actually, I actually ran the state middle school state meet just because they split it by seven, eighth grade. So I had to, we didn't have like the biggest team. So it wasn't like I was making varsity or anything, but (laughs) I had to. And I think my mom told me she would like give me money if I placed (laughs) the team. So I tried really hard and I think I ran 15 minutes or so for two miles. So it was a lot better. It wasn't like I was, you know, completely terrible or anything. I remember Ben approached my mom like either after that race or after a different middle school race and just said like, I think she really has potential to be good at this. And my mom was just like, what? Are you, do you have the right girl? Me? Uh, Like I, I didn't look like an athlete at all. Like I still don't know what he was talking about. I don't know what he saw, but he believed in me when nobody else believed me. Not my parents, not me certainly not me. Nobody (laughs) else around me thought I would ever be good at any sort of sport, especially not, you know, something so hard. And so having someone like that to just push me to do my best, like he invited me when I was in eighth grade to come to the high school practices that summer. So I got to be like with the Urzans and stuff. And I think that really kickstarted my love for running. Yeah. Just the belief that you have some talent in the sport or you have some underlying aspect of your physiology or form or something that's going to make you good is maybe just enough to give you a spark to start working hard and then to start working. There's a story about a kid who was a, a moron in school, was getting all of like C's and stuff in high school, took the ACT and it came back as a 36. He's like, wow, what, what happened? And went to college at a like prep school, very high level school, graduated with honors. And a few years later, he figures out that his ACT score was flipped with someone and he actually got a 16. It proves that 
most of your ability comes from the mind. If either that's like, he probably just worked harder when he figured out that he had some ability to be smart. I mean, that could have been somewhat of your situation. Like Mm -hmm. the spark of belief that someone instilled in you was just enough for you to work hard. So you, after your seventh or eighth grade year, which year was that where you ran 15 flat at, uh, or 1530 at state? That was seventh grade. Okay. After seventh grade, you started working with Ben? Yep. Okay. And then walk us through that or what that journey look like. So I think honestly, like, so I, yeah, I came to the high school practice when he was still on the coach at Carlisle. So, you know, I talked to him occasionally, like he would tell me kind of what to do, you know, high schoolers were doing this. I didn't have to go as far as they did. So I thought it was pretty cool for that. (laughs) I don't think I actually tested until I was going into my freshman year I think I was honestly scared it sounded scary it was still when <laughs> he did it like with the the mask like the oxygen mm-hmm. mask and I remember I talked to Ainsley about it and she was like oh my gosh it's so hard and like Ainsley said it was hard so I was like no way am I doing that eventually I did it um I did like completely freak out while I was doing it like it was it was he would tell you now if you asked him I think I almost broke like the equipment because I freaked out and I think I tested my VO2 was like a 40. Oh no. Yeah, no. no. My my VO2 was like a 40, but I think I had some potential in my my VLA max. So he was like, I mean, it's not anything impeccable. It's like I had like a 60 or something. He's like, we can work with this. And so from there, you know, we started actually working together and somehow somewhere end up where I am now yeah I mean for people who don't know like you're one of the top ranked girls in like 3a right now going for like a top spot in cross country and cross country is not even your thing like yeah you've you've came a long ways so after your freshman year you continued to work with Ben what was training like did it change a lot since like middle school is intensity and mileage just slowly increased over the years yeah, no, definitely. I think in middle school, like I remember, I think the, like the farthest I ever ran, I think one day, like there's a town about two miles away from Carlisle and we just run there back. I ran four miles and <laughs> I thought I was really, really good for that. And that was probably <laughs> the farthest I ran at all in middle school. And then once I got in my freshman year, started getting in the thirties a little bit, nothing crazy, but I was always like itching to do more. Like I really, I just started to love like the hard work part of it. And so once I got into my junior year, he started up in it a little bit. I was like in the fifties, starting to be in the fifties in the winter and the workouts were so much harder than they used to be. But I mean, I think I knew that was what it was going to take just because I was always going to be just a little bit behind because I had a bit of a later start. And obviously I didn't have just this like massive, you know, aerobic capacity backing me up to begin with. So I knew that that's kind of what I would have to do if I wanted to all of a sudden be like, yeah, one of the top, it wasn't just going to, you know, come out of nowhere. So it's crazy. I don't think I could have fathomed ever running that much in middle school especially (laughs) but it's kind of something I've gotten used to now and I've started to really enjoy the work 
What was it like growing up with Ainsley Erzin as as a teammate? Was it always like, oh, she's always getting all the attention? Or I know she's not that type of girl, but what yeah. was it like? Yeah, I don't think it could almost ever feel that way with Ainsley because you just knew how much she deserved it, I guess. Because, I mean, she worked so hard. And, like, even then, it never felt like like I never felt like I was like beneath her, if that makes sense. Like she would run with my, my teammate, who's a senior too. She would run with us all the time. And, you know, she would talk to us and she'd genuinely be interested like in what's going on with us. And she would tell us what's going on with her. And it felt like we had a friendship, even though like she was like such like a role model figure. And, you know, it was honestly, cool to be just surrounded by all the attention she got because it felt like I don't know like we knew some sort of celebrity like <laughs> come to her at meets and be like oh, Ainsley can I have a picture with you like, we know her and like we get pictures with her all the time you know so <laughs> I always thought like it was cool yeah okay so before we get too ahead of ourselves let's look at your data a little bit let's take a peek behind underneath the hood and see what your metabolic profile looks like well, just kidding. The software I use to get all the test data does not have yours on there, and Ben has not gotten back to me to get your data yet. So, I guess we'll just move forward from here. If I was a betting man, I would bet you are a higher anaerobic capacity gal. You've got a higher VLA max with a pretty moderate VO2. Maya, what is one of like the bread and butter workouts that you did leading up to this cross country season? Um, so I did a lot of tempo work, which I never particularly enjoy. I've never liked to do <laughs> um, a lot of mile repeats, but my favorite being more of like a track person, I've always loved just the shorter intervals. I love just like having that little break in between. It's not the longest rep in the world. You're not running for 40, you know, um, so I remember one day I did a workout. It was like 24 by 400 with like 60 seconds in between. So obviously they weren't like super, super fast or anything. I think we started at like high eighties and then just like slowly cut down. But I remember the last four, I was so excited because like mm-hmm. I could let it rip a little bit. And I think they're all like 77 or so again, not super fast or anything, but just little workouts like that where you have to like constantly kind of feel out the pace and you know, you can't go super fast because that's always been a problem for me. Like I always like lately, at least just gone out way too, you know, so I had to control myself in the beginning and then like slowly because the rest is so short that it's almost like you're never really stopping. And a workout like that is honestly great, even for cross country, because yeah, there's no rest during your cross country race, but Every once in a while, there's like spots to reset. And during such a long workout, you have to do the same thing. All right. All right. So 24 by 400 meters, starting at 80 and working down faster. So the structure of this is interesting. It seems like you were doing a little bit of threshold work. Um, For the person in the back who's wondering why 400s for threshold work, well, it's because Maya's definitely more of an anaerobic kind of gal. She's more of a track gal. And this gives Maya the luxury of nailing down the cut down paces while also giving her a little bit of rest in case she accidentally messes up a pace. It just doesn't mess up the entire workout. 
So why the cut down paces? Well, there's several reasons and most of them come down to pretty much slowly priming the body and not overdoing it too soon. One thing that absolutely kills threshold workout is going out too fast, too soon. You might as well have just ran an easy run or just taken the day off at that point because you completely miss the point of the workout. Threshold is supposed to be under that exponential curve and you're not going to be producing a crazy amount of lactate. If you do, you're doing it wrong and just scrap the workout because you don't know what you're doing. (laughs) So at 80 seconds, I'm guessing Maya started a bit slower than her anaerobic threshold pace at that 80 seconds and working to just a little bit quicker than your threshold. Well, it seems like you probably went a lot faster than your threshold. You got a little bit antsy and probably too quick towards the end of the workout. That's okay. You didn't know, but now you do. So don't do this in the future. Stick to paces. The paces on final surge are what you're supposed to hit. Don't try and go faster because faster is better, especially for threshold, because that's definitely not the case. Anyways, so why is this cut down beneficial other than just slowly priming the body? Well, it is going back to not overdoing it too soon. One of the reasons is due to the bore effect. It essentially explains how when your blood pH levels gets more acidic, either due to the hydrogen ions from lactate or uh, the carbon dioxide, it can impact the binding of oxygen to hemoglobin in your red blood cells. Stick with me here. I won't get too nerdy. So more acidic leads to less efficiency in delivering oxygen. This crushes our aerobic performance. Obviously aerobic, we need that oxygen to stay aerobic. So to complete the rep in the given time, we have to lean on our anaerobic fitness. So now we're stimulating our VLA max, which is not what we want to be doing. So we we want to have to We basically don't want to have to lean on our anaerobic fitness at all when we're performing threshold reps. So one way of avoiding that is to either progress the warm-up so your heart rate is basically churning out oxygen to your muscles so we can progress that warm-up faster and faster. You know, my maybe warm-up at eight-minute pace, maybe progress that where the first half mile is eight minute pace and then you slowly progress to 7.30 or a little bit faster even. So you're priming your lactate system and so you don't overdo it with that bore effect. Or maybe, or what we did developing that workout is start your first couple reps at LT1 or aerobic threshold and then slowly work down to that anaerobic threshold and the faster parts of anaerobic threshold. So another part of it, which I don't entirely understand the full concept, so I won't get into it fully, but another part of it is that lactate combustion fatigue where your body's combustion rates fatigue a little bit over the workout. Again, I'm not going to act like I completely understand this level of fatigue, so I won't try to explain it. So in conclusion here, the whole goal of this type of workout is to push that lactate accumulation curve further and further to the right. So, so Maya, you can run faster and faster paces at the same amount of lactate accumulation. So lactate threshold work, pushing that lactate curve further and further to the right. All right, enough of that. When you're preparing for cross-country races, 
Is there a way that you use that data that you got from the test to kind of manipulate how you race and strategies beyond that point? Um, yeah, no, I definitely think about that sometimes because I just know, I mean, you can even just tell looking at I mean, I just have a bit more, yeah, a bit more power behind what I do. I'm not ever probably going to be like one of those just aerobically powerful runners like that. So a lot of times, unless it's really, really hot outside, because I can't do this when it's really hot outside, I will just, just go out. I don't even, sometimes I don't mean to, it just happens. And I just kind of see what happens. (laughs) Some days, some days it does not work out. It does. And the days it does, it goes really well, but <laughs> it yeah, you never know. Um, I like to do it that way, though, because I don't know. I'm yeah, I've never been someone that's just going to run like 615, 615. That's just that's not going to happen for me. Like, I, I'm just yeah, not built like that. So that's what I like to do. It's not the most fun way to run a race at all. It prob- it's probably the word, like, you know what I mean? It's not probably even the smartest, but I think it's fun. Yeah. Then when gearing up, like preparing for track season, how do workouts change? Like, how do they differ from cross season? So I think leading up to this cross season, we spent a lot of time trying to get like my VLA max down a little bit, just naturally, because that's what you want to do for cross country. But now I think going into track, we can kind of work with it a little bit. I might get to do some of the stuff I like love doing. Like, I mean, if I got to choose, I would do like 200 repeats every day. Like that's like my favorite. (laughs) I would, but obviously you can't. That's not how you (laughs) fitness. I know that now. Hopefully for those shorter interval things. Yeah. 200s, 400s, 800s, maybe never seeing a rep above 1K, even though I don't Yeah. A lot of stuff on the track, of course, just those base aerobic runs too. And then probably some tempos here and there because I'm still going to be running 3000s and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're coming to the end of our time here. What's one memory from Carlisle? Oh my gosh. I think it definitely was running on the four by eight my sophomore year with Ainsley and Tessa at state. Yeah. Me and Marie Ainsley and Tessa, we ran the four by eight at state. We got second, Mm. but it was just I mean, it was so awesome because I still, I mean, I think I was in like just barely under 230, like totally had no business getting second place, but Ainsley (laughs) was running 209. So, you know, (laughs) but it was so cool because I ran the third leg. So I always got to end off to Ainsley. And every time we ran it, like I just watch her go, you know, (laughs) it was was so fun because I mean, I think I gave it to her and we were in like sixth or seventh. But then you just slowly watched her and I was like, oh, it was so, yeah. And just, we had such like a bond on that relay and it was just, yeah, it was a blast. And yeah, I probably will never forget that race. Yeah. Last question before we end here. If you were to give a piece of advice to a younger Maya, what, when she was starting out running, what would that be? I think like just always have faith in yourself and also like you don't, have to just limit yourself to one thing like I think nobody really ever told me I could be anything but like a little nerd until (laughs) you know until Ben did but I you know I just would tell her to keep going because you are really truly capable of anything you put your mind to 
And I know that's like so cliche, like everybody says that, but seriously, like if you start to believe in yourself and, you know, you have a dream, you can achieve it. It might suck. It might take for, it might take a long time. I mean, I didn't feel like I truly had a breakout race until probably my junior track season, but to have you know, some of those good moments, even if there's a one good moment in every a hundred bad or average ones, it's, it's incredible. Okay. I lied. Last question, because you said you wanted to have, have belief in yourself, have belief, have big goals. And, you know, it might suck to strive for them, but strive for them coming up to this track season and even cross season. Do you have big goals for this upcoming track season? And, and are you willing to share them? Um, I would really like to win a state title. I mean, I know that's so like, you know, everybody probably says that, but no, <laughs> I, that would really feel like for me, like just a full circle moment mm. because A, whoever thought I could do that, I don't know, not me. B, I watched Ainsley do it, you know, a hundred times and know what it meant for her to get her first state title. I mean, it was like a very beautiful moment. And I just think, why not? Right? Like, why not shoot for that? I think, it, I mean, I think it's possible. So, yeah. Absolutely. Why not? Well, I appreciate yeah. your time today, Maya. Best of luck at the end of this season and track season. And we'll have you on once you, once you get that state title. All right. Thank you. <laughs> All right, well, there you have it. My podcast with Maya Bergstrom. Best of luck this weekend, Maya. I really appreciate your time coming on the show. If you guys enjoyed this episode or any of our other episodes, make sure to leave a review on iTunes or Spotify. Most of you guys have not done that. It really only takes a few seconds and it would really help out this show. This episode will come out Friday, so I'll be at the state meet on Saturday. If you guys want to say hi or talk training, I'll be around. Anyways, I appreciate you guys listening and I'll see you again next week on the Accelerate Performance Lab podcast.